Medicare for all. Your bros can suck my balls. Fuck your reply, guys. Please don't fuck your reply, guys. Just listen to reply, guys. Hello, I am Kate Willett. I am so excited to be able to talk to you guys this week. Um, Not with Julia. Julia is in Canada, and uh, I don't really know what she's doing there. Um, I can only assume she's eating maple syrup and riding around on some kind of moose. Um, (laughs) So for this week, um, as like a a special treat, um, if you will, I invited someone that I am really a huge fan of on Twitter. Um, and I, uh, I've been following her for a long time, but I think that I first was like, oh, she needs to come on the podcast when I saw her, uh, live tweet the birth of her baby. Um, so (laughs) you guys, I'm very excited to have Ellie Kremendahl on the show this week. Thank you, Ellie. Welcome. I'm so happy to be here. I love your podcast. Oh, thank you so much. So, Yeah, um, I was, like, pretty surprised that you could come on because I think you have, like, a you have an, a newborn infant in your house, right? I do. Um, but, yeah, I mean, she's two months old, so I'm getting to that point where, like, I'm very thrilled to have an excuse to be able to, like, make her a bottle and have a moment away. Yeah, it's a uh, is is she sleeping or something? I don't hear I any don't, anybody she, screaming. She's not. Well, I'm upstairs in my other kid's room right now, um, and she's with my husband downstairs. So I don't. I'm like blissfully unaware of what she's doing at the moment. So, so <laughs> I'm gonna be really embarrassed if the audio for this podcast is uh, ruined by my cats, who like <laughs> I apparently have less control over than you have over your uh, newborn infant. <laughs> My little guys, they just, they won't shut up. But it's a regular theme on the show. We've had to just incorporate it because uh, there's there's no talking to them about their noise. How many um, cats do you have? I have two cats, yeah. And they're both, like, really vocal and annoying. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I love them so much, but yeah. they, um, I think what happened is they spent their lives assuming that these were born in, in the quarantine time mm-hmm. and they they are like really amazed that like sometimes people leave the house this is all like new information for them that they're processing so yeah yeah, yeah. okay so i want to talk about your twitter because this kind of <laughs> this sort of was like one of the coolest things i've seen online so you Live tweeted your what I think was a forty out forty eight hour labor. Yeah, it was like it was seventy two hours. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, I think it said like someone wrote an article about it, like a compilation of the tweets, and I think she said it was forty eight hours. And I was really grateful. Yeah, I think that, that's where I got that. Yeah, and I was really grateful that she did that. But then part of me was like. Bitch, it was 72 hours, and I felt every second of those hours, so let's be correct about that. That's so, I mean, that's wild, like, I'm sure that there's no way to really put the experience into words, but, uh, yeah, what's it like to be in labor for 72 hours? It was so (laughs) fucked up, and it was so, it was really, because I have two kids, I have a three-year-old also, and it was so 
like the experiences couldn't have been more discrepant. So it was really shocking to me because with my first kid, I had this like hippie doula who was like, um, you know, the hospital is like, you know, a patriarchal construct. Like you should just stay home as long as possible. And I was like, 100%, let's do it. And so I spent like that whole day of labor, like home watching Law & Order SVU eating snickerdoodles. And then at like the very last minute, we went to the hospital and I had my daughter Goldie in like 45 minutes. So that was like its own experience. And then with Birdie, my newborn, it was like I had gestational diabetes. So they had to induce me, which is part of why it took so long. And then they just kept giving me like drugs and more drugs and she just like would not come out for until this last you know last chunk of the three days holy shit um and so you've been a comedian for a long time and you know you like it it looked like you were sort of um I don't know, like, the, the way that you were getting through this, like, a lot of it was, like, a, writing jokes during the process. Um, yeah. I mean, I thought I was kind of, like, you know, part of me is just I'm a, like, extreme weirdo alcoholic, you know? So I'm kind of like, well, that's, like, a fun challenge. Like, I wonder if I can write jokes, like, while I'm in labor, you know? Um, that sounds like I could, like, kick it up even higher (laughs) to be like as intense as possible and then and then it really did like it was such a frustrating frightening process that it ended up like it actually kept me kind of grounded to be trying to write jokes at all the stages of it um and then I weirdly felt like people were like following it and then it made me feel like this yeah I know Twitter is like a horrible horrible place for the most part but it made me feel weirdly like connected to people and like people like I wasn't on the journey you know like just me and my partner yeah it it was fun and then it was also fun to just like demystify like giving birth like in a hospital and like having labor induced and how crazy it is and I don't know that like it's just so unlike the movie version of birth that it was really interesting to me to like expose what it's actually like which is kind of like what my what I like to do in comedy in general like expose things that are like not talked about a lot and I'm gonna read some of your tweets here um that stood out to me um I'm stoned and I keep thinking the things I learn from commercials are secrets for me um (laughs) then I remember that's crazy they're secrets for my baby too uh Nurse asked if I needed anything, and I asked her opinion on air fryer chicken. Uh, (laughs) I've listened to two births through the walls, and at this point, I'm ready to make soundproofing hospital walls my life's work. And uh, this was was my favorite. It's water-breaking time, team. Call me an evil NYC landlord, but this baby is getting freaking evicted. (laughs) That's really funny. (laughs) Uh, Thanks. So... What did the experience of, like, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this question. So I know that you've been a leftist for a long time. And, you know, obviously, like, that's present in in your jokes here. But is there anything that you feel like 
you know, changed or solidified about your own politics from this experience? From the birth experience? Yeah. I mean, I will say that having had two births, like, both times I chose to go to, like, more low-key... Um, tiny hospitals that were staffed with their units staffed by midwives and at the cost of like not having a really substantial NICU like if something went wrong because I don't trust like big hospital and like doctors and as much as midwives Um, and I just I just want to put out there that I've really stand behind that decision and I support I would encourage anybody to like have the process with with midwives because um it's just so I mean like midwives even when I had to encounter some doctors along the process they're just so much less likely to listen about I shouldn't I feel so terrible saying all this this is not not all doctors whatever but like You know, it's I felt very listened to by the midwives that I worked with. And I feel like they are at core, like tend to be kind of witchy and like matriarchal. And I really appreciate that. And I just kind of that that was my assumption. And then it was really solidified, like and it made me in terms of your question about politics, like I just, you know, it's like cis men just should not be in, in charge and at the helm of like so of so many things, you know, and it's like the reach, the trickle down effect from them being so is just so vast. And childbirth is one of the arenas where that's true. So um, do you feel like it was, I think, you know, harder in some ways that you were pregnant during, like, this crazy pandemic? Like, how did that complicate things for you? I mean, it was super hard and weird because I made such a conscious choice. I mean, I'm in a queer family. Like, my, I'm a queer woman. My husband is a trans man. And so we were, like, very intentional about having both our kids. So it was, like, a little crazy to do it. Um during the pandemic but also we were like just did it anyway I don't know we're a little crazy but it was I mean it's scary it's scary to feel like such a profound lack of trust of the people in charge and I think that that just felt so felt and had continues to feel so amplified now having kids because when it was just like me, I was like, well, I'll be fine. Like, I'll figure it's I don't. Yeah, you can't trust fucking people like whatever the government. But now that my kids are involved, I just feel like more enraged and so protective and and yeah, scared. Like, I don't feel like I feel so angry that the COVID is so dangerous for unvaccinated kids and that people just like don't give a shit and I'm thinking about that, obviously, all like all the time right now, especially because I have to go back to work and like send my kid to daycare when she's she's going to be like barely three months old. So that's really scary, you know? Yeah, I can only imagine that definitely seems. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I mean, 
is your like is your work like do you mean comedy or like do you have to, are you being forced to go back into a, an office of some kind no I mean I mean my day job like I I have been still writing and doing some comedy and I'll amp that back up like grad you know like starting kind of recently and more and more but I mean in terms of like what makes me money which sadly is really not comedy at this point in my life um I am my my day job which is therapy I don't know if you know that about me I did not know that you had that really you had a really funny video about uh like (laughs) therapists reacting to the pandemic (laughs) like just sitting there like eating chips and like yeah yeah (laughs) yeah that was really funny um um I probably will be doing it remotely, like, because of COVID and, like, my the risk with being so, like, close in a room with someone at this point. But, no, I'm more worried about, like, daycare and, like, I don't know, not, it's like you can't be, like, up in all the other parents' business, like, what's going on, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. Although there's definitely some people that are trying to do that, and it's like, I get it, but oh man, this seems like a really futile project. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> so, tell me a little bit about like how you feel like your politics influence like your work, either as a therapist or a comedian or both. I'm really curious to hear about that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it, I think it's just hard to separate from both of my, you know, both passions of mine because it's so like in the, on the therapy end, like I kind of came, I went into therapy in a really weird way. Like I was kind of like, I was like in my twenties and I was a waitress and a bartender and an, an unsober at that point alcoholic. And I really like needed health insurance and like I was like um I'll become a therapist (laughs) it was kind of but then I ended up like really liking it and um but it came out of also like social justice work I was doing I was like working with kids um doing theater stuff and so I actually became a drama therapist but Oh, nice. Yeah. So and a I, drama therapist is like where you just you you help people with their drama. Yeah. I mean, essentially, yes. But it's yeah. also in reality, it's like it's like visual art therapy, but using like play and um, like embodied expression. And, um, you know, and I had been like a writer and a performer. So it was like most drama therapists like have a creative background. And then um, but anyway, I, I kind of went into it out of a place of like rage at like systemic injustice and I feel like comedy the same thing sort of drives me you know and like did before I became a therapist and now that I'm like have been focusing more on comedy again um it's all like kind of from a place of like rage and frustration (laughs) you know do your do do your like do your clients know that you also do comedy they have gradually been finding out over the last like year and a half because of my mostly because of my Twitter, because when I was just doing like smaller shows and like it was, you know, it would have been just much more random for them to find me. But then my Twitter grew. And so it's been like a gradual but steady process of like starting a session and being like, 
Um, so I wanted to talk to you about the fact that you're Twitter famous and, um, that's weird. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Are they like, please don't tweet about me? Or I mean, yeah, like sometimes. And I'm like, I would never, you know, I have like, especially because I have a weird day job. Like most comedians are not therapists. Um, it's weird. So I have really strict boundaries with myself about stuff like that. And I'm very open and transparent with them about that. You know, that like, obviously I can't like bifurcate myself and this is a part of my deal. And if folks are uncomfortable with that, like we work through it and and I'm totally like, you should like, some people really want their therapist to exist in like a box that is like buried in a mountainside. And I'm like, if you want that, go have it. Like, it's just I can't be that you know yeah that's a lot going on like comedy being a therapist having two children that seems like a very busy life it's pretty busy (laughs) (laughs) you're like I'm so tired I am Kate I'm so tired I'm like my brain is just at like half mast that's the hardest part about having kids is like the strain on your brain and just energy level Because probably a lot of not sleeping, yeah? A lot of not sleeping and a lot of just, like, constant need. Like, just, like, the amount of times hearing, like, mommy, like, I require you is, like, is very difficult. And then, you know, sometimes, like, when I'm doing therapy, that's a lot of I require you also. Um, which is probably partial. I mean, like, it's so, I usually find the energy for my comedy because it's just, I like need it because it's just for me, you know, in a different way. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously the pandemic has been a time of like very intense mental health crisis for a lot of people, you know, dealing with like the isolation or job loss, um, you know, just like fear of, of COVID or, or family members getting COVID or even getting COVID. Like, what have you like seen that, you know, has been helpful to people or would be helpful to people? In like getting through COVID? Yeah. And just like dealing with the chaos of this time, given that it seems like there's not really going to be, um, you know, the like systemic solutions that, actually would help a lot like um, giving everyone enough money to live you know oh my god I know like what the fuck like is how long is this gonna go on when I start to think about that I feel like so bereft and like slash rageful but I don't know man like I feel like I wish I knew. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not the best. I'm not. To be totally honest, like I'm not the best at like self care. Like I'm kind of like. I'm. I'm. I'm just. I. I don't know. I feel like I'm just kind of like in one. Okay, in one way, being a parent and having like two full time jobs basically is really great because I don't have great in quotes because it's actually like just it's like when people are like I'm too busy to be sad like it's that's not like that's fucked up like I don't think anyone should busy their way out of their feelings but I do feel like I have so much well this is violence 
It's violence that you're saying that because I deal with all of my feelings by uh, just creating busyness. And when I'm not busy, I just go online and consume information until I feel like I'm doing something. So, I mean, (laughs) this is violence. I mean, it's violence in the mirror, first and foremost, for me. Like, that is 100% how I cope with my feelings as well. And that's why I'm, like, hedging around your question. (laughs) Because I don't know. Like, I do. I'm just, like, a maniac. Like, as you're noticing, like, I sound really... I'm, like, doing... I do so many things, and it, it is part of how I cope. But I think that that's not necessarily healthy, but sometimes our defenses help us, you know? Um... But yeah, I mean, okay, and to be totally earnest, like, I feel like what I've seen help and I guess what's helped me is to have, like, larger sort of purposefulness, whether that's coming from an activist place or a creative place, like, to be feeling like something is, like, in motion and is happening um, that feels meaningful to you. And then, I mean, I feel like... the people that have been able to find ways to stay connected to other people seem to be coping the best. Like the isolation seems like it's the worst part. Definitely. I've definitely found that that's true for myself. Like once we started being able to like meet up with people outside, I really took a a little bit of a turn for the better. It was very hard when we were just like no one, nothing at all. That was tough. So tough. I like started to hate my family so much. <laughs> like, I mean, and, I and you were you were pregnant this most I was, of the time. Yeah, I was pregnant. I was pregnant like um, la- from last summer until yeah until June when I had my daughter. And yeah, I mean, isolation. Like, even though I, you know, my house is like never quiet. I have like a partner and two kids and like a dog, but I felt. I felt that isolation and like I don't think people should just be with like their partners <laughs> or their kids and then I could also yeah. not imagine like how hard it would be like different times in my life I lived alone for a long time like that sounds like it would be so hard in a totally different way yeah I <sighs> I, I've been lucky to live with people during the pandemic, but that's also hard. I don't know. It's just, uh, this hasn't, I, I'd be very skeptical of anybody who was like, yeah, the past 18 months, just what a banner time, you know? <laughs> so like, that, I know. Would be, that would be really confusing and messed up, I think. Um, <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> I've seen a few people say stuff like that, like on Twitter, and I'm. it's just like, it's fine to feel get things out of a hard time like there's nothing wrong with that but there's something that feels just so odd about this kind of brazen like this has been amazing for me like this has been such a period of growth (laughs) you know and it's like really like okay also how are you not seeing that in relationship to all of the suffering it's disturbing yeah it's uh I don't know. I mean, I don't want to begrudge anyone their good time, but it seems a little bit, in uh, clinical terms, I guess, psychotic to me <laughs> yeah. to be like, I've never had a better time than this pandemic. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. I mean, one thing that I think a lot about, you know, like in general, in the pandemic, but also in general, is like there's very little support for parents in this culture you know like uh, childcare seems like incredibly expensive and mm-hmm. yeah, you know 
I, I know that uh, parents have just gotten, like, basically, um, they're calling it a tax credit, but they just mail you a check, right? Like, from, by, yeah. Yeah, although I will tell you that I have not received one of those checks, and I went online. <laughs> I, like, went on to the IRS, and it says that I've received two, and we have fucking not received anything in the mail. But, yes, you're supposed to be getting checks now. That's... I mean, that seems like mildly helpful if they if they do mail it to you. But I guess like, you know, from the perspective of like thinking about being a, a parent, you know, versus like actually being one now, like what are you feeling like would be like, you know, good for those of us in the left who, who think about this issue, yeah. like to be focused on, you know? In terms of, like, preparing for making that choice or knowing... Well, no, I'm I'm talking about, like... So, well, I mean, that's a good question, too, but I'm talking about, like, socially, like, you know, like, in terms of, like, society-wide, like, what things should we be demanding that oh, yeah. would make it more possible to be a parent in this society oh without my going God. nuts? Yeah. I mean, 100%, like, Medicare for all and free childcare. I mean, it's, like, those things make parenting so near impossible and I'll tell you that I think that like both my husband and I are like kind of crazy alcoholics like who tend to make really big decisions without thinking that much about them and then we like figure it you out mean later like- like sober alcoholics sober alcoholics like like i'm just saying that because i don't want anyone to be like oh my god yeah like i don't want no please do not call active alcoholics i really appreciate that kate i don't want anyone calling cps on me um (laughs) no i've been sober for 11 years and my husband's been sober for like like 18 or 19 or something and so i mean it more in a personality structure way (laughs) like we're like tend to just create a lot of like create a lot of activity and like make like decisions that probably give you a lot of like big feelings you know like we're like always creating chaos so but not again in like a please call cps way (laughs) um but that being said my point was now I'm all flustered and feel scared. Oh, <laughs> uh, I was mostly but, just joking, but no, it, it I is know. a comedy podcast. I, I know. don't know. I'm just trying to mix it up, Ellie. I'm sorry. No, I really appreciate it. I think that like <laughs> I sometimes forget that like when I talk about being an alcoholic, that people don't just know that that means a sober alcoholic, you know. But and I love talking about being an alcoholic, so that I have found myself in this situation before. Anyway, um. My point was, is that we did not, like, when we decided to have kids, we were just like, let's do it. Let's fucking do it. Like, we had, like, no money. Like, we, and people, like, I remember my parents were like, how are you going to do it? And we were like, I don't know. And then we just did it. And I think that in a way that was, I'm so glad I have my kids. If we had really sat and talked, like, if we were the kind of people that had, like, budgets or, like, a thought about like a plan for retirement or like any like we just if we had really thought about it I don't know we would have decided to have kids because we're both artists and childcare is like it takes everything we have I mean it is so expensive and then the worst Obamacare plan is like so fucking expensive also and I'm like always in fear like when we make a little more money then our 
in health insurance, it's like, yay. And then our health insurance is like, then we lose the subsidies or whatever, you know? Um, and it's just crazy making that being a parent in America just makes you so broke and like impossible to like have, have any kind of retirement. Like, unless you're, I feel like that's not true for the friends I have that are like, have corporate jobs, but, but that's the only case where I know that that's not true, you know? Yeah. I have a friend and and she's a really wonderful person has a very high paying corporate job also has a husband that has a really like high paying corporate job and they talk about like being like super stressed out with like the childcare expenses all the time and you know I don't I don't know their financial situation but it is like holy shit if you feel this way then like yeah how are other people doing this you know well yeah but that's also an interesting thing because it seems like it seems like okay like when we were looking into childcare in New York City like we ended up we just got a new apartment in Brooklyn that happens to be next door to like this at home like really chill at home daycare that's been in the neighborhood for like 30 years and they're like really affordable as far as daycare goes and that's great if you wanted to go like you could spend on childcare in New York City like like $60,000 like Oh my god! That's you know what nuts. I mean? Like more than like a private college, like well, I don't know how much college is anymore, but like more than when I went to like private college, and um, so it seems like sometimes people like y- there's that crazy thing with capitalism, like if you're st- making all this money, like corporate tech jobs and people, and then it's like childcare is really stressful to them because everyone and maybe their circles are going to ch- these childcare where it's like like so like 20 to 40 thousand dollars a year for like a two-year-old you know what I mean so that's crazy like the whole thing is just so crazy I feel like one thing that the left like you know kind of broadly like does not focus enough on is like yeah, support for, like, free childcare and stuff. I, I don't want to say, like, no no one does, because obviously there are people, like, that are focusing on this, but I feel like it it doesn't really get talked about as, like, a top priority issue by a lot of people. Maybe yeah. because a lot of the people who have the time to, like, be super engaged in politics are often pretty young. So, mm. like, it just kind of skews to people that, like, are not super worried about that at that particular point. Yeah. But... I, I, I feel like it's definitely, like, an under-discussed thing because, you know, it's, like, there there are so many people that, like, in order to be able to have a job, they need to have childcare, and childcare is, like, almost as much as they make or even more in some yeah. cases, you know? and yeah. Like, the choice mm-hmm. to stay home with your kid should be, like, a, a choice that like is available to anyone and also I don't think that anyone should be like forced to make that choice because yeah they're priced out of like you know preschool all kinds of things you know mm-hmm, 100% I mean I agree it's definitely under talked about I feel like that's a really interesting point about like youth and time and energy um in politics 
also it's like you know it largely affects women and I feel like that always makes a difference too in terms of how much advocacy is happening and it's like people like you know in in terms of self-advocacy it's like really hard to put that time and energy into it when you're like working and taking care of kids and you're like the primary caregiver it's just totally like a recursive cycle in a way i'm just kind of curious like how much can someone expect to spend like out of pocket on having a baby if you have a bad obamacare plan yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you have a bad Okay, so it can Okay. Caveat that like I am terrible with money and my approach to managing it is mostly like putting my head in the sand. So like I am like notoriously Girl, like all same. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. never know how much money I make like ever or how much money I spend. I'm just like, what? let's just try to like raw dog this adulthood experience (laughs) that being said okay so my husband is a playwright and a tv writer but he was primarily for the last like um bunch of years he was he was adjunct teaching playwriting and we were able to afford the actual having of the babies like in the hospital because he was adjunct teaching at a SUNY school and that is actually like really great insurance. So, which is part of why he kept teaching. Um, and so that was like pretty affordable. If you're a queer family, I mean, like we spent so much money on like conceiving our kids, like a lot of it, um, through credit cards and, then also my grandma died and left some money and we spent all of it on having our first kid like sperm and procedures and like none of that is covered primarily usually um but I feel like hospital births I mean like I feel like with a bad Obamacare plan that you definitely it would be your whole deductible for sure yeah and Which then, is like basically like eight thousand. Like eight thousand. So, like right now, yeah. I think my deductible is eight because we don't have that good insurance anymore. So it's like eight thousand, and then plus more. Like I feel like like if okay, like if we had if if we had lost our insurance prior to my fucking seventy two hour labor, I feel like that's like tens of thousands of dollars, you know, at least. Um, it's so fucked up. It's so it, fucked up. That's a a point that I hadn't really thought about in that context, basically, that, you know, all uh, queer families, not all, but many queer families are going to need some sort of assistance uh, conceiving. I guess, you you know, you can get friends involved or whatever, but like, let's, you know, if you are going a medical route, like that is something that is like completely not covered by any kind of insurance. Well, and we were really lucky, like with the second baby that we just had, like we had this insurance again and they actually covered like a lot of it. Oh, okay. Which is amazing and like so rare. We didn't have that for our first kid. And like when I think about, um, yeah, just like economic, um, 
insecurity and like queer families like it's like sometimes it just occurs to me I'm like yeah like so my grandma left us this money that was like so amazing for her to do that it was like I think it was like thirty thousand dollars like around and then we just to be really transparent and we had to spend that whole thing like having the baby which I understand is like we made that choice and and we didn't have to make that choice but it just sometimes it occurs to me like oh like if any of that had been covered like that's a way that some people like start to have a savings account or like start to have retirement plans you know um and but like we wanted to have a kid so then because nothing was covered we like used it and then we didn't have that in our savings account and again like I know this is all such like privileged problems like but it's it's kind of interesting to talk about it like it is privileged because ultimately like I don't think that you know having one or two children should be like considered this uh amazing luxury that is Mm -hmm. only available to people who are you know either have personal money or generational wealth or whatever and like I, I definitely think that for a lot of people in our generation and millennials and then, you know, generations below us, like it, it has become that. And you yeah. see like the right and even Democrats going off on like, you know, having these like pro family policies or whatever. But I mean, like there are a lot of people who are totally priced out of having a kid like yeah. that's totally like that's that's a lot of people that I know have largely. Yeah made the decision to not have children because Mm -hmm. they just don't feel like it's financially something that they can do you know and it's really like for people who really want kids like that's so shitty and sad and it just should not be like that and I think it's also completely legitimate to have that to make that decision practically speaking because there's there's everything we just talked about with like the actual like hospital and then like childcare. I mean it's like the child care that we are going to have to pay for this upcoming year, it's like, I think it will be more than I'm going to make. But like, personally, like for me, like, like, I cannot be a stay at home mom, because I will, it's will not would not be good for my mental health. Like, it's not who I am. So I think we're going to just make the call to like, have it go toward child care, you know. Um, but it's not I mean, it's like, it's, oof, it's just so, it's, it, and, it, and I mean, in another, like, with a few things being different, like, it would be totally unaffordable to do it. And I mean, now that we just have kids, we have to make, make it work. But like I said, like, if we had really thought about it, I don't know that we would have felt like it was a smart decision because it's not gonna it's it's just really difficult to have like to not just be you know paycheck to paycheck when like it's so much the percentage of what you're spending on childcare is just so huge i mean that your your whole uh, income from your job is that's a really high amount to have to spend on childcare. And I mean, I know like being a therapist is something that you, you have to go to school for, for like a long time. And, you know, I mean, it's just like, I'm just imagining like so many people who have like student loans factored in or people who oh, yeah. are, you know, working minimum wage contracts positions. I mean, it's just like, yeah, 
it's just completely, uh, it's completely nuts that childcare is not like a thing that we have for free in this society. I was talking to someone, um, that I know from, uh, Finland and she was saying like, oh, you know, like, why don't you just have a baby by yourself? Because I'm like, I don't know. Like, I haven't really met anyone that I wanted to do that with at this point in my life. And she's like, why don't you just do it? And I'm like, where would I put the baby while I went to work? Honestly, yeah, wow, totally. How, how would that happen? And she's like, oh, like, I know a lot of people who And I'm like, yeah, you live in Finland. Childcare yeah. is free there, you know? Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. It would change everything. And what you mentioned about student loans, too, it's, like, when you add up, like, student loans, like, two people with student loans plus childcare, it's just, it's, like, I feel like it's so insane and stressful that it leads me to just, yeah, doing the thing I said earlier. Like, just, like, I just, like, kind of put my head in the sand. Sometimes I try to think about it like it's not real money, like, because there's no way to... Like, it feels like the other option is, like, despair and just feeling so overwhelmed and, like, hopeless about it. Man, it was really fun when Bernie Sanders was running for president. And we could just be like, and, and and maybe this will be solved soon. You know, like, even if we kind of knew what it Like, that was a fun feeling. <laughs> it was such a good feeling. <laughs> I felt so hopeful. Like, so truly hopeful for a minute there before it all went to shit. Um, well, you know... I, I want to end end us on a on a more optimistic note here. So can can you tell our listeners where they can check out your comedy? Yeah, um, you so you can follow me on Twitter at Ellie Kremendal. Um I also have a website that has a bunch of my videos and stuff. elliekremendal.com. That's awesome. All right. Well, you know. This has been really fun. I am sorry about the things that are so fucked up in our society that make your life stressful, but it has been an, an absolute pleasure talking to you. And de- definitely, please check out Ellie's comedy. She's okay. so fucking funny. Oh, yeah. thanks, Kate. Can I also just say something before we go about... I'm feeling like... I also just want to say that I'm, like, really grateful for, like, the privilege and, like what I have in my life and I have it like so much better than a lot of people and I'm having some anxiety that I just was like first of all such a downer and not funny at all and also like complaining this whole time um and so I'm feeling a need to uh express that anxiety (laughs) by by saying that like everything's fine and I'm really lucky and fine (laughs) I think it's okay to be like stressed out if you have two uh tiny tiny children during, <laughs> during a global <laughs> pandemic in, um, a, in under late capitalism that seems really normal okay but Wait, the why thing am is... i doing therapy on you that's fucked okay, up the, yeah this the is, thing is, yeah. is it's, it's actually not okay <laughs> for um <laughs> me to complain about anything i probably should have mentioned that to you um i you know I don't do not have a right to my own feelings at any time. So well, yeah. I mean, you are a woman, and for that reason, it would be better if you didn't talk at all. But I think that's true. I think that's true. So maybe you should just sort of cut out everything except this last part where I talk about how I'm grateful and lucky.
<laughs> that would uh, be good. Live, laugh, love. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Reply Guys. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash reply guys, where we have a catalog of over 25 bonus interviews with renowned writers, journalists, and comedians with an additional episode uploaded each week. The show is hosted by Kate Willett and me, Julia Clare. Our producer is Genevieve Garrity. Our theme song was performed by Emily Fremgen, who wrote the song with Kate Willett. Our artwork is by Adrian Lobel. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're at Kate Willett with two L's and two T's. And I'm at O Julia Tweets, O-H Julia Tweets. And Twitter is where you can, of course, also find our reply guys. They are always with us. Bernie, take us out. walking that ribbon of highway, I saw above me that endless skyway. I saw below me that golden valley. This land was made for you and me. This land is your land. This land is mine.